Hello everyone, this is Mustar FM 89.6. This is Manuel, and with me I have Victoria. Hi. And Maria. Hello. How are you? Super excited about today's program because we're going to discuss a very uh, interesting topic, but I will let you introduce it as our boss. <laughs> yes, yeah, so today we're going to talk about culture and most specifically about cultural movements regarding pop culture and how people have evolved to enjoying things alone and more and more as a community. Uh, first of all, I have a question for you. Do you prefer to enjoy things by yourself or with other people when you watch movies or TV shows? Um, in my case, it depends on what kind of TV show or movie I watch because sometimes there are movies that I want to share with my friends. Usually these are comedies because we can laugh together or we can make fun um, at some scenes or some characters. I have a best friend and we usually watch Korean TV series together because there are so many bizarre things. I mean, our cultures are different. That's why we find some things quite entertaining. So I like watching them with her. But when it comes to something more serious that needs my attention, I prefer watching it alone because I want to process it and I want to, I don't know, maybe learn a lesson or like get this story, like the whole story without being distracted. And what about you, Maria? For me, I would say I, it depends because I enjoy watching things alone probably like my favorite movies because I don't like people judging them but I feel like it's changed because now I feel like when I watch things with people like Victoria let's say it's super fun even if it's a movie that I like she roasted and it's also fun so I think that nowadays I prefer to watch things as a group but I have data that says otherwise Because it says that people love discussing their favorite shows with friends and significant others. But research recently released by Clusters, a quantitative market research and segmentation agency, shows that audiences prefer to watch their favorite shows alone. 48% of viewers prefer to watch their favorite shows this way, while 31% watch with their partner and 17% watch with the whole family. What's interesting here is that watching TV alone was the most popular answer across the majority of viewer segments, said Chris Cohen, managing director of Clusters. A lot of people tend to think that older adults are traditionalists and like to enjoy programs together, or that the younger generation is tech-savvy and therefore more likely to hide away and stream through their personal devices. But this simply isn't the case, and it's outdated to group people in that way. What about you, Manuel? Do you prefer to watch things alone or with a group? Uh, well, for me, it depends. Like, it depends on what I'm watching. There are some shows that I know that I will be more enjoying by myself. Things that are maybe more serious or... I don't know if I would were to give an example. Like, if I watch This Is Us, for example, I prefer to watch it by myself. Because there's not a real, let's say, collective enjoyment. Not, not like with things like if I'm going to go to the new Star Wars movie, for example... I have friends that are interested and it's kind of a roller coaster movie. So it makes more sense to go with friends. Um, I've also enjoyed watching the new Game of Thrones episodes with friends when they were coming out because it was such a big thing for everyone at a certain point in time. Uh, so yeah, it really depends. But there are a lot of things that I enjoy just by myself a lot. So I kind of agree with their thing, but it's really nuanced. Like it really depends. And some people just enjoy everything by themselves. And some people just watch all the time with at least one person, I, I think. yeah. For me, it's, it's, it depends on what I'm watching. I said that I enjoy watching movies and TV series with my friends. But if I really love something, if I'm watching something for the second time, I want this person to like enjoy it as well. But sometimes when we're watching, they get distracted. They like... Uh, checking the Instagram and I get so annoyed like I, I feel that it's a slap really that's why sometimes I don't show my favorite things because yeah, it doesn't feel good when people do not appreciate what I love but you do that as well so what are you saying like you check your phone while we're watching a movie well it happens only once when the movie is getting really boring <laughs> okay fair 
But I think that, like yesterday, that was also a new movie for you. Yeah, yesterday we watched a movie, a good one. But at What some, was it? it was called Amor de Madre. It was a Spanish movie. Yeah, a comedy about a guy who was left, <laughs> yeah, at the altar, and he went to the honeymoon with his mother. And it was a comedy, but at the same time, it was quite philosophical, and I did enjoy the dialogues and stuff. But at some point, the like the plot development kind of stopped, and I checked my Instagram just once. But but please keep in mind that I am addicted to Instagram, so I am doing my best. Thank you. True. Even even when things you enjoy watching, you you still check Instagram. Yes. <laughs> But then that's another topic, like my addictions. I mean, we could talk about my addictions. In another program, we could. There was mm. a program that we did about social media and people being addicted. So that would be you. And so you mentioned that you sometimes don't want to tell people about some things because you're afraid that they're not going to like or not going to pay attention to it if you watch it with them. Yeah, kind of. This sounds a little bit also like gatekeeping. Do you know about that? Yes, I do. Well, no, I haven't heard anything about gatekeeping. What is it? I have all the data. Don't worry. According to Urban Dictionary, gatekeeping is the instance in which someone takes it upon themselves to decide who does or does not have access or rights to a community or identity. This can be as simple as recommending a certain TV show or urging against watching it to friends and family. But when fandom members go beyond a harmless recommendation or suggestion, they can cross the line and cause unnecessary tension. A common sign of gatekeeping that is thrown around online is when people weaponize the phrase "you're not a true bleep." That might be followed by an explanation like "you're not a true anime fan if you haven't seen or liked these shows," "you're not a true gamer if you haven't spent this many hours playing." There are supposedly two kinds of gatekeeping. There are people who gatekeep to maintain the core elements of a fandom or community, and there are people who gatekeep to try and force everyone in a fandom or community to be like them. Ooh, that sounds a little toxic. Yes, it sure is. Have you experienced any of that, like on social media or with friends? Maybe sometimes. Not really, because I don't usually tell people like I like this. I guess it happens in Spain with football, mm -hmm. because um, a woman can be like. Okay, I like football, and the men are like, "Okay, list me the name of every single player that has ever mm. played in the Spanish league." And they're like, "Okay, but why?" That's the example that I have. But I don't think personally somebody has been like, "Okay, if you're a true fan, tell me this." Yeah, that's really strange to me that you have to know every single detail about fandom. Like to enjoy it, you know. I don't have to know when the first Spider-Man was released. When I just like it, and I can like it without going into detail. And I think that's happened to me actually. I like watching anime, and when I was a teenager, I watched a lot of it, and I was a part of an anime community. My friends were really nice, but there was another anime community. That we had like a beef with, kind of, and while we were talking, they were like, "Oh, have you watched this or that?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Oh, no, you cannot be a true anime fan if you haven't watched, for example, Bleach or One Piece," and that's stupid. Oh, so it was a battle for the status of anime fan, <laughs> not, not about like a particular series. It was really just about. Yes, that you had to know everything. I don't know that you had to know every single episode of Naruto, like what happened there, <laughs> what Sasuke did. And I was like, mm, I I don't have that much time to waste. I just watch it and I enjoy it, and I don't have to wear I don't know backpacks with One Punch Man. I don't know know how to make this jujitsu, kaujitsu, whatever. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's strange to me. I have an example about anime as well, because the famous artist Megan Thee Stallion has openly displayed her love for anime and has even collaborated with Crunchyroll. I don't know if you know it uh, for the past clothing collection. But however, after Crunchyroll's tweets in support of Megan Thee Stallion, many gatekeepers expressed their distaste. This included complaining that anime is becoming more liberal. 
that the character she previously cosplayed is in black and that she doesn't deserve to be called a genuine anime fan. That's terrible. And what about you, Manuel? Have you experienced any gatekeeping? Or have you done gatekeeping? I don't think so. It's like the only thing I, I, I tend to do with people who say, for example, they're going to see, I don't know, Harry Potter 4 in the theaters. If they haven't seen the first three, I'm going to be like, why? What's the point? That's the only thing that, uh, that, that feels weird to me about enjoying content. It's like, why would you just go to see the fourth one if you haven't seen the first three? It's like the same story. It makes no sense to me. But I don't force people to do so. Like, I'm just saying that it's kind of weird. But that's the only thing I will say. I don't really feel like it's important anyway. But no, other than on social media, you know, saying things that you mentioned, like, or oh, you're not a true fan of this or this, and just arguing for hours and hours about who's the best fan of whatever and just trying to to discredit them from their title of fan of something. And why do you think people get into this gatekeeping Like, what's the reason? I think it's because they're very intense about something. Like, they really care for things. Like, you see people making Twitter fan account about a character or, some, or something and uh, uploading daily on that account, for example, screenshots of a TV show, that kind of thing. But we're going to talk about this a bit more later. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, people get crazy about a lot of things. Media, but that's not the only thing, like football or... I've actually read articles about this. There are people who think it's positive and other people who think it's negative. The negative part, it is said to be that people become too toxic. That's why um, gatekeeping is not good because it's like, I want to enjoy this show. Why won't you let me? But there are some people who think it's positive because they they keep toxic people out. So it's it would be the other effects, like instead of being, they are being the toxic ones, the toxic ones are the ones that are outside of the fandom and they want to get in. I really don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. I think that maybe people should mind their own business. But I mean that when someone, when something happens, like your fandom, let's say, is being toxic to other people, you're like, okay, that's not me. And you want to be apart from them. You don't want to be in the same category. But Maria, you mentioned that uh, there is the second kind of gatekeeping when people try and force everyone in a fandom or a community. And I would like to mention one thing that I don't really like. It's not about a particular fandom, but there is, for example, a list of movies or TV series that everyone must watch. You know, this must watch list. Like I've experienced it. A few times, I think, in my life when it comes to books or to movies, people are like, what? You haven't watched Star Wars? Oh, my God. And there is a lot of criticism. And I'm like, well, I just I don't really enjoy this genre. I don't have anything against it. You can watch it. You can enjoy it. You can go to get togethers. Just do whatever you want to. But why are you being toxic to me? Just because I don't find something interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. That has happened to me as well, because as you guys know, I did my master's degree on screenwriting. So there were a lot of people who were fan of movies and who were very, very like... Especially. Especially invested. And maybe they were like, have you watched The Godfather? And I was like, no, I've never watched it. And they were like, oh my God, how... Like, how can you not? Like, why are you studying this if you haven't watched The Godfather? And I was like, okay, but maybe for me, the true classic is, let's say, the cartoon for Mulan. I think it's probably a much better movie than The Godfather. But it's like people expect you to be the same as them and expect you to have the same expectations for movies and the same taste. And it's like, it's just not possible. Like, you should respect the taste of everybody and not trying to change them and be like okay if you want to be a uh, part of the cinema community or film lovers community you should like this this and this okay so about studying i uh, studied linguistics and we had a literature course and our professor was really particular about literature and especially russian literature and i am not a fan of it i've read like the most famous works and I didn't enjoy them and when she asked me what my favorite book was I said well Pride and Prejudice and she was like what 
excuse me, what? And her face got really sour. And I honestly, I have never felt that perplexed in my life. I was like, um, she asked me, maybe something else? And I was like, no, like, this is my favorite book. What else do you want? Well, maybe you should broaden your horizons. And I was like, I didn't ask you for your unsolicited advice. Thank you. <laughs> She wanted you to say Tolstoy, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, apparently. I don't know. I mean, Pride and Prejudice is pretty good. The movie and the book. So I don't understand like why she didn't like it. But yeah. Or like, I remember when I also when I entered uh, journalism, someone was like, my favorite book is Harry Potter. And I remember the teachers being like, what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, it's a valid book. Like, why shouldn't it be? Like, I understand that you want us to read the quote-unquote classics, but I mean, yeah. What do you think about this, Manuel? I don't know. The only example I have in mind is, like you, uh, I have a friend who did a bachelor's in movies and stuff. And uh, what came out the most were Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan friends who were like, the students were like, no, but they make the best movies. Like, why don't we talk about them? And the teachers would be so annoyed looking at them and just uh, being exhausted. And I went once to one of those lectures and I witnessed that for myself. Like one of them, I don't know, he, the teacher asked for opinion or like an example. And the first person to raise their hand was like quoting a Christopher Nolan movie. I was like, so they are real. They exist, these people. Unfortunately, yes, they are real. It's like, I'm not shitting on those movies. Like, I enjoy them. I've seen a few. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like. But it's just, it's like the most popular, let's say, uh, serious movie, I would say, kind of. And then people, it's like the first thing they've they've ever seen. And usually it makes a big impact. So they, they're like, this is so, so good. And they're not going to really pay attention to anything else after that, which is a shame. I mean, when it comes to movies, books, and stuff like that, it's all subjective. And when I discuss such things, I hate it when I am being told, well, you're not right. Well, you can say, okay, I see that you like this movie or book, but I don't find it that interesting, and these are my reasons. And that is a good dialogue, but just canceling my opinion because you don't agree with it people <laughs> segregation <laughs> segregation yes <laughs> male dominance <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is gonna be oh my god uh, and you don't think this is a behavior that you had when you were at war with that other anime community sometimes or were you just like a bystander how did it feel to be a part of that group even if you disregard the war Okay. <laughs> Loaded that's, question. Yeah, that's that's a difficult question because I have so many things in my mind right now. I mean, I was 16 or 15 and the way I communicated with people was uh, completely different. But I don't think that I forced my opinion. I was a little bit unhappy with people trying to force their opinion on me and I felt really down when I was told that I was not like a true anime fan because I hadn't watched this and that and I, I did feel like I was not a good fan in the end even though on the outside I was like whatever on the inside I was a little bit hurt but my own community we had like a small community there were maybe 10 or 15 people we were really kind to each other we had a lot of gatherings and we would watch our favorite anime together or we would introduce new anime and even though some people didn't like it that was fine to express your opinion to say that yeah i think that i'm not gonna watch it and they were like, yeah that's, that's super fine But besides anime, we had other activities. We would travel together. So that was, that went beyond anime. And I am still friends with a few people. Like, yeah, we've been best friends for a long time. So you knew them before starting this anime community or? No, I got acquainted with them 
when I entered the community. And yeah, we're still friends. So it was like through a forum on the internet? No, no, it was through my neighbor. Like uh, she was not interested in anime at all, but she had a relative who was. And I just started exploring anime because when I was seven, I started watching Sailor Moon, but I didn't really know what it was. So Sailor Moon, then um, a Pokemon, you know, Shaman King, this really popular and famous titles. And my neighbor knew about me like developing this interest for anime. And she was like, yeah, you know, I have a relative. She really likes it. And there is an anime community in Estrogen. I was like, wow, great. Just introduce me. And yeah, that's how I got into the community. Wow. And what about you, Maria? Do you feel like you've been a part of a community in, in some similar way? Would you say that you're part of the Buffy fandom? <laughs> Community. I mean, the Buffy fandom. <laughs> uh, it's. I feel like it's older people. So mm -hmm. I was younger when it came out. I feel like I see them from time to time on Twitter, but I haven't been a fan recently of anything. I think the last time I was a hardcore fan was when I was a Fifth Harmony fan, and I was on Twitter every single day looking at voting and looking at other stuff. Yeah, it was a really strong period of my life but other than that I'm trying to be away from these big movements like I'm not really a big fan of like TV shows I like watching TV shows but I'm not like, in the fandom I don't know about you Manuel I don't think in the same way as Victoria not hardcore like this you know you feel attacked yes well, why so, hardcore that, that was not the point because <laughs> to me that feels hardcore like you were You had like a group of friends to watch stuff and like I didn't have that. So to me, it feels weird kind of. And we even cosplayed and we, Ooh. yes, we went to festivals and stuff together. Nice. Wow. Yes. Like Manuel, I feel like it's more of a free spirit mm -hmm. in, that, <laughs> in that case, I don't think. And actually, yeah. we even organized our own anime festival in Astrakhan. That was the first, the first festival. In so Astrakhan. you were yes. a pioneer. Oh and my the God. only one. The only one. The <laughs> no, only one. Uh, no, there were uh, two or three, I think. Yeah. Wow. Organized by other people after that? No, by us <laughs> as well. Yes. That's incredible. That's nice, actually. I feel like I missed out because that must have been kind of fun and interesting. Yeah, yeah, because we would spend nights just uh, preparing flyers and um, there were a lot of really like art-skilled people They were drawing stuff and like preparing the whole festival was really nice with the um, cosplay section, AMV section, karaoke, some contests in between. So that was nice. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I don't know if you guys know, but Victoria was not the actual pioneer of this modern trend. It actually <laughs> originated with Star Trek in the 1960s. And at the time, fans generally spread their creations through fan sites or conventions. But recently, the internet has allowed fan culture to become more widespread and more accessible. Rather than submitting a work of fan fiction to a sign where, if accepted, it would be photocopied along with other works and sent out to a mailing list, modern fans can just post their works online. So I have a question for you guys. Have you ever done like fan fiction or like edits or something about your favorite TV shows? Never. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That does not surprise me. Yeah, but still that was when I was a teenager. Um, I really love one book, which is for the night show. I'm not gonna tell you what it's called. And I wrote a fanfic based on that book. It was really tragic and I love it. I know what it is about, and yes, it is very tragic. Will you ever share it with us? It's in Russian. Like, if you learn Russian, of course. <laughs> It's a pity, yeah. But I mean, I could translate it, I guess. <laughs> is it long? No, it's a short one. Okay, then it's plausible, I guess. What about you, Maria? I have uh, read and written fan fiction. It's also in Spanish, so you cannot read it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's something that attracted me the most when I was a Fifth Harmony fan, like the fact that fan fiction were a thing. But also, I'm really interested by the concept of 
the big movements like Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Marvel, like what do you think of this type of movements and stuff? Because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. Like I mentioned, for example, Game of Thrones was a big thing, like a series that I really enjoyed, but a big thing for everyone. And I remember in high school, uh, the last year of high school, everyone was kind of watching it. And some people really enjoyed just going home sooner than everyone, watch the episode and then come back and spoil everyone. Everyone was disgusted. It happened once and I was just, they spoiled when, uh, spoiler, I'll give you two seconds to put the volume down. Run away. When Jon Snow dies. Oh, my favorite moment. Yeah. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, it's, it was so annoying. But the thing is, everyone was into it, and we would talk about it a lot together, sometimes, like, after the show. And then in university, when it was around the last season, we would have gatherings, like, three or four people with closing the windows and shutting the curtains down because the season was so dark that you couldn't see anything unless you were <laughs> in complete dark, Yes, which is a, a very accurate story. Like we would have to be completely in the dark to watch the episodes because otherwise we wouldn't see anything. Well, I watched uh, Game of Thrones alone without any friends, but honestly, I didn't need anyone to spoil the whole season for me because it was on social media everywhere and it was so annoying just why why would you post it but i mean i wouldn't say i was a huge fan of uh, game of thrones it's just a good tv series nothing less nothing more for me uh but still everyone was raving about it and there were so many spoilers and that was not mm. nice but it's the thing like, it was such um show with twists and turns like it was the main part of the show that like all the twists and since then like there's still a lot of people spoiling but a lot less than they used to there was a big moment i think for two or three years where people would spoil everything for everyone but now people just are a bit more kind i would say towards this marvel movies like for infinity war and that kind of thing people would spoil the whole thing but now without banning certain words for myself on Twitter, for example, not to be spoiled. I can sometimes go on the, for example, if we like we went to see Doctor Strange and I think in the afternoon I went on the Doctor Strange trend on Twitter and no one spoiled anything for me, which was kind of weird because I was kind of looking for it at the same time, you know, like why would I do that just before seeing the movie? But it's a good thing because I usually do that all the time and I see less and less people spoiling on these big things, which is pretty nice. I feel like with Doctor Strange, we were too early to watch the movie. Like, if it had been, like, a week after, there would have been spoilers everywhere. Like, Probably. Like, two or three days after we watched the movies, I saw spoilers. Mm -hmm. But I was like, uh-huh, I've already watched it. But, but not yeah, as many. Think, not as many. That's true. But, like, I remember that it has happened to me a lot. We will do a podcast about this. But if you want to avoid spoilers, you cannot log into social media. Like, it's mm -hmm. impossible to avoid the spoilers unless you do the word thing where you block certain words. But it's just, if I'm watching a TV show that just aired, I am not going into social media because it will spoil everything. We will talk about more about spoilers in another podcast with Maria. What about other big things? Like, So we, we, we started mentioning Marvel. Is this something that you follow or not at all? Do you just go for one sometime? Okay, I'm going to answer this question, making one more question. What does it mean to be a part of a movement? Like, how do you define like a person who is a part of this movement? For example, I watch Marvel movies, but I don't think I'm a part of the movement. It's just I watch them as something really trivial, like a comedy, and I'm going to forget about it, really. That's that's how I watch Marvel movies, or I have watched Star Wars, but it, yeah, I think it's just once, and that's mm -hmm. it. Like, am I a part of this big movement just because I have watched this movie or not? That's an interesting question, because you have to take part in like fan fiction or cosplaying or big events to be a part of those movements. I think, yeah, kind of. Because there's such a big thing, like, if I ask questions about, like, if I want to talk about it with you, I can, let's say, because you've seen also that big thing. You know what I mean? So, me being able to discuss these movies with people means that I am a part of this big movement, even though I do not 
I don't know, dress up or go to get-togethers and stuff? Well, because, for example, we went to see it together, and it's... To see what? Know. Doctor Strange? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think you could be necessarily part of the fandom. Like, it's the same thing as gatekeeping. Who decides who is a fan and who isn't? I think it's, like, the person's choice. Like, if you think, okay, I'm a Marvel fan, then you are a Marvel fan. Well, but when I mean movement, it's not necessarily fandom because, like, I don't consider myself in the fandom of Marvel, for example. But I've watched most of them. But at the same time, I still feel part of a movement because they're popular towards pretty much everyone. They're the biggest movies coming out right now. And even if you're not taking part in those events or doing certain things, you're in the vast majority of people just enjoying them and not saying anything. But they're big because of everyone involved. You know what I mean? And they're really popular because of that. So, like, you could ask pretty much anyone, uh, have you seen Iron Man? And there's a good chance they did. And it's like a thing that you share. Whereas if I talk about one of my favorite movies that's not a Marvel movie, for example, there's a good chance you don't know about it. It's trivial, as you said. Like, for me, it's the same. I don't really care too much for these movies. But having seen the latest one, for example, it's like being able to go on social media and just, like, understanding posts about someone in the fandom, for example, kind of makes you, I think, somewhat a part of it. But... Although you're not really active, I see that. To me, you're not fandom, but you're still in the movement, kind of. That's my opinion. Okay, then are, those are two different things. So, for example, I have seen some Marvel movies, but not all of them. So then in your perspective, like I would be a part of the movement because I have paid to watch some of the movies in the cinema. I think it depends also on how much you've seen, let's say, because if you've seen the first Iron Man and you haven't seen anything else after that, you're not really part of that movement, I would say. But if you go and see some of them like once a year or twice a year because there are five of them come out every year or something. Yeah, maybe something like that or like three or four. I don't know. I don't really yeah. know. You're kind of you're not up to date, but you know what uh, what's happening or kind of I don't know. Because, for example, some people had only seen the Spider-Man by... Sam Raimi with Tobey Maguire, like the first trilogy. And some of them just went to see The Last Spider-Man because it was in it. And it's like still part of some kind of movement, you know, like you... Maybe it's the only one from the MCU you have a scene, but you're still part of something because, you know, it's like a lot of people went for the same reason, I would say. Sure, I agree. That sounds legit. So then I guess I am a part of these movements apparently <laughs> well because against i your have will. Huh? against your against will. my well it does not affect me in any way really mm-hmm. it's just i have watched um the whole series of star wars and i have watched a lot of marvel movies i wouldn't say that i have watched all of them yeah but for example my friends they are quite particular about marvel they have a lot of comic books and uh, like statues and statues like this figures uh. <laughs> i guess <laughs> that was not the right word like you know this plastic figures mm. i think action figure i think they're called no 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 some some of are them are just statues? statues statues and figurines two different things uh, but, but okay, it's just like they're super big for yeah. example this iron man like one, are they one. like human yeah. size no human size but maybe child half. size <laughs> <laughs> nice okay okay i get it yeah so well they are they are a part of fandom i guess because they know a lot of details but i'm like yeah who's that guy <laughs> i don't remember this guy <laughs> and what is she doing here yeah that how i felt when we were watching doctor strange i was like who are these people <laughs> <laughs> And that's how I watch every single Marvel movie because I forget things. Yeah, I think it's impossible to know every single character's backstory if you haven't watched every single movie. So I'm just like, okay, this guy's mad. I don't know why, but <laughs> probably he has his reasons. But one of the big things that people do, because like you mentioned people buy statues, buy a lot of things they cosplay, just as you did. Only once. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. there are people that take it a bit further you know you have for example a lot of screenings and re-screenings of this Star Wars movie for example like a lot of marathons you also have conventions one of them is the Star Wars celebration that happens every year since they released Star Wars The Phantom Menace because people wanted to celebrate Star Wars it was made by fans this gathering 
uh, it was in the U.S. in Denver. And it was a, a big opportunity for them to ask actors to join and do panels, just like in Comic-Cons. And this is the kind of events that starts pretty small, and then it, go, it grows really, really big nowadays. Star Wars Celebration is used also by the creators of the Star Wars universe to make announcements about upcoming TV shows, movies. And it grew because it's been 20 years, and now it's, it's such a big thing. It's part of the marketing of the movie and that kind of thing. It, fans still gather, you know, cosplaying and go there all together, and it's such a big thing. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about those events? Because for some people, looking at people dressing up and just gathering for that kind of thing, it feels kind of stupid. That's just an outsider. That's not what I think. You know, it's just an opinion I've heard earlier in my life, for example, from parents or that kind of thing. How do you feel personally about those events? I have to say that I really like them. I have gone to three or four freak cons are called in Spain, in Malaga, and I didn't dress up, I didn't cosplay, <laughs> but I saw a lot of people cosplaying. I thought it was really interesting, the effort that they made into um, creating their costumes and stuff because some of them were crazy to look at. And I was like, oh my God, that's like really talented people. But I've never dressed up. I'm usually a person who likes to look at the shops and who likes to see like, not maybe panels, but depending on the person who goes or like, maybe I have to, I have to admit that I have taken a picture sitting on the Iron Throne. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I haven't cosplayed and stuff. Also, I like that sometimes there are like K-pop dance competitions and they sell like K-pop albums and stuff. So I'm there like buying stupid things that I will not use in the future, but they're cute or like, yeah, like keychains and stuff. But yeah, I really liked uh, those days. They were really happy for me. Also, it was a good opportunity to connect with my friends and to meet other people that had my same interests. So for me, this type of events are really nice. What about you guys? I wouldn't say that I particularly enjoy them. I think when I was a teenager, that was fine for me. But now I don't enjoy really big events, you know, a lot of people, it's overcrowded. And I mean, I cannot say that I like cosplay. I don't judge it. It's like it's totally fine for me when people dress up, but I don't have any interest in it, I'd say. Like, I am quite indifferent. Let's let's put it like this. But Usually I went to these festivals with my friends because they loved cosplay and I also loved taking photos. So I was helping them with photo shoots and stuff. But now I I wouldn't go to a, for example, Comic-Con or something like that. And you, Manuel? For me, it's really just an outsider view because I've never been to that kind of thing. But it feels like... Like, you know, a good place for fans to do stuff. I've actually, the only thing I've experienced is watching panels for TV shows that they have, for example, you know, like with the actors uh, answering questions from people. I've watched several on YouTube and that that seems interesting, although sometimes I kind of cringe at some of the questions that people ask, you know, like regarding shipping characters and that kind of thing, because that's a strange thing to me because, as I've said, I've never been part of a fandom like you with anime as a teenager or as a child. But it's it's really just also because I'm not used to that. Uh, other than that, it's kind of nice to see people uh, enjoying things, I would say. Yeah, shipping is something very dear to my heart, so don't <laughs> attack it. And so these are very fan-centric activities, you know, like cosplaying, fan fiction. But there's a point where also these things being so massive they kind of start spreading to also kind of more mainstream. And, you know, it's like saying that you see some Marvel movies sometimes, but not all of them. There's this thing where, for example, Game of Thrones, going back to Game of Thrones, was shown in theaters. Like the last two episodes of season four were shown in IMAX theaters because it was such a big thing. And by the end, they had the same for the last season, and I'm pretty sure for the other seasons as well. And it was already in 2015. And now, for example, I also looked at it because I saw that on Twitter, but it it was actually from the first season. I thought it was just for the last one. Stranger Things also had a premiere in theater for the first or the two first episodes of the last season. But they also did that for every season. So now TV shows are so big that they also premiere in theaters as well, which is kind of weird, I think. 
I don't know. It's like it's a TV show. <laughs> that's not that's not weird. This TV show is popular, so they use it to get money. That's not yeah, a but rocket it's more science. Like a, it's yeah, but it's like a marketing kind of thing. But it's such a big event. I mean, just let people enjoy what. No, they I enjoy. know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, it's because they're not going to show the entire TV show at the theater. There's not going to be a program where you can watch it once a week, that kind of thing. It's really just for the event of that premiere. And I'm just talking about it as a new way of showing things. Like, I don't think bad about it. Yeah, to me, it just exists, and that's it. I don't think it's bad or good. Yeah, it's just nice that people can go and enjoy the first episode. Like, no one has seen it, and they are really excited about it, and they can share this moment. Like, we, we need some entertainment in our lives. That's one of the ways. Well, talking about massive things, I think that it's also important to mention K-pop. Okay, so for the past few years, K-pop has gained a lot of popularity. And not only in Asia, but in Europe as well. And I think that almost everyone knows who BTS are. Like, do you know who BTS are? I just know the name. And yes. I've seen the picture with them and Joe Biden. So see, Joe Biden. <laughs> see, like they went to the White House. Yes. Yeah. yeah you're really talking about racism. Sorry for mm. cutting you. See, so you not being a part of K-pop, like I, I think that you have never even listened to a I Korean did. song <gasps> once or twice, or sometime on Twitter, you're talking, you're seeing a post about something completely different, and you have that one K-pop fan that is just gonna post. Uh, the fan cam. <laughs> yeah, or an edit about like one singer and it's just with music in the background and it lasts for two minutes. And you're like, No, for, I don't good know. For you. <laughs> I have never seen, seen that. that. No, just... I have I haven't seen that. You should quit internet and, and social yeah. media. Just just <laughs> quit it. <laughs> yeah, you should quit because they are everywhere, so you cannot escape them. Yeah. But You know, talking about K-pop, I wouldn't say that I consider myself a fan. I don't know that many things. But I know that, Maria, you like K-pop and probably, you know, a little bit more about it. Yeah, I think I know a few things because I've been a K-pop fan since 2017, let's say. So it's been a lot of years. And yeah, I have to say that K-pop groups are known for their toxic fans most of the time. Like, I think people became aware of the power of the fandoms of K-pop fans because of BTS, as you've mentioned. Like, everybody knows at least the name of BTS and everybody knows that the armies, which are the fans, are very powerful. They are, like, sometimes more powerful than the police. Uh, this, this is what people have said on the internet, don't quote me. Because they can find stuff? They can find stuff, <laughs> they collect money, like I will, yeah, I will tell you all about it. Because it is considered one of the largest fandoms in the world, with more than 59 million and 43.9 million followers on Instagram and Twitter, respectively. Due to the large numbers of fans, it's completely understandable that there will be some bad apples in the bunch who engage in gatekeeping and toxic behavior. I mean, toxicity found in K-pop fans seems to go above and beyond since Twitter introduced a function recently where anyone could read the quote, the quote retweets on a tweet. It made the toxic mental attitude worse. Typically, viral tweets tend to have more likes than retweets, but when those numbers are flipped, fans call it ratioing, a part of the act of canceling. Whether the criticism is constructive or negative, a large number of quote retweets circulates that criticism more than a like or reply would. Oftentimes, this fuels anxiety in some fans, triggering panic attacks over the harassment. And yet, there are a lot of problems with K-pop fans. Like, they are toxic to other people, but then when their idols do something wrong, they defend them. And it's like, for example, someone from the extinct group G-Friend, she posted a picture with a Nazi official, like a mannequin, and she didn't know that it was that it was a Nazi mannequin because she said that in South Korea, like, world history is optional, so she didn't study Nazis. And people were, like, saying, oh, it's okay because she's so on, so she can do whatever she wants. There are plenty of things that can be said about toxic things that fans do. Usually... Most of them don't 
go very far, but sometimes fans' attitude can contribute to idols' mental health deteriorating. Just side note, imagine finding out about Nazis when you're like 25. <laughs> 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 I mean, for us, it's impossible because you and I, especially Manuel, we're Europeans. Yeah. So that's like the first thing that you learn. Russians but, yeah. as well, they know about I mean, yeah, Russians, of too. course. But yeah, I'm talking about something that I, I think <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, I don't know what Victoria studied. I wasn't expecting to hear that, like, that one person didn't know about Nazis. Like, just in general, the notion was completely... Yeah, like, she didn't know it was a Nazi uniform. She was like, um, I don't know what this is. Mm, yeah, like, it could be understandable, <laughs> I guess, but, yeah, like, yeah. it's still strange. When some, I, It's funny because when someone says things, like, bad things about BTS, I'm <laughs> like, oof. They're gonna they're gonna suffer the consequences wow. because there are some fans who are very extreme and they're gonna come for you. So it's like we gotta be careful. They're all very talented. I love them very much. Yeah, and they might come not only for you but for the idols themselves actually. And there are so many stories when fans just draw a lot of idols to committing suicide, and there are so many stories in South Korea because you also needs to keep in mind the context. South Korea is a patriarchal country and there are a lot of social rules that you have to follow. And if you dare, just just dare to think about doing something out of the box, you're gonna be just packed to death. Really. Wow. Yeah, especially if you are a woman or part of the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, those are the cases that I know of people who were thought to be queer or who were women just breaking stereotypes and people are just not okay with it. Like in South Korea, it's quite common to be like, okay, everyone's straight. So they don't have problems with queer people because if they don't say anything, they can have all the assumptions that they want that if that person doesn't say I'm queer, they're still gonna be off the radar for South Korea. So it's like if they act like stereotypically straight, everything's fine. But if not, then is when the hatred comes. I remember um, one of the only, well, I think he's one of the only out Korean singers. He was attacked the other day. He was thrown a rock, I believe. So yeah, I think like this trend of being just toxic fandoms and stuff it goes out of line. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. And uh, talking about idols who committed suicide there there is one just terrible story about a singer her name was sully and i mean that was her artistic name yes artistic name and she was one of a growing number of female south korean singers and actors as i have already mentioned to have been targeted by online uh, vitriol often from anonymous male fans enraged by their idol's refusal to conform to social norms. That's what we have already mentioned as well. Yeah, social norms are everything. And her crimes were live streaming a drinking session with friends and her decision not to wear a bra in public. Can you imagine being bullied because you're not wearing a bra? I can't really imagine it. <laughs> because you, you were uh, looking at Manuel and I was like... <laughs> this is sure a really intense look for really. a very straightforward answer and really logical. Okay. <laughs> I'm not supposed <laughs> to be laughing because I'm like, talking about it's a, it. Yeah, it's a serious topic. Yes. And she also revealed that she was in a relationship at the zenith of her singing career, defining the industry's carefully crafted image of young female stars as sexually desirable but inexperienced so a lot of male fans in korea in south korea to be more precise have this idea of pure female singer and if they are dating other men that's that's terrible that is also related to male singers actually because if they are dating someone then they are cancelled. And I think that actually is written in their contracts that they cannot uh, date anyone. Yes, it is. They cannot because they're supposed to be fandom's property. The fans are supposed to believe that maybe one day they'll be mine. So they cannot have boyfriends or girlfriends. 
just how messed up it is. I cannot wrap my head around it. Yeah, and besides that, uh, she smashed other taboos. For example, hosting a TV series about how online abuse had contributed to her anxiety disorder and social phobia. In a country with a strong cultural resistance to discussing mental illnesses. So there are no mental illnesses in South Korea. But we all know there are a lot of them. Um, there is a quote by Prof. Yoon Kim Ji-yong, an expert on Korean gender issues. She expressed her views about what was intrinsically wrong in our society about how female stars are supposed to behave. That's why there was a lot of backlash, like when you are telling people how wrong they are. And at some point, she couldn't take this bullying because she was bullied online all the time. And not only online, but in real life as well. And everything led to her committing suicide. So, yeah, there are two different sides of this big movements on the one hand they can be very positive and wholesome yeah they can bring people together and uh, give them for example their own community and they can feel a part of something but on the other hand it can be uh, quite toxic and it can lead to such disastrous things but usually i feel like the bigger the show or person is the bigger like the bigger there's a chance of it being really negative Star Wars fans can be really, even against each other, saying they like a certain trilogy more or something else, they're going to be really aggressive. Especially the last movies were really badly reacted to inside the fandom. But there are examples of really smaller, let's say, fandoms that are just wholesome because also there's not many negative people attracted to it. Also because it's not as divisive. I just have an example in mind that makes me laugh. is about like a French comedian that's he's an actor and stuff and he there was this guy who made a twitter account like out of context jonathan cohen which is the name of the guy which you've seen a lot like out of context for any kind of characters the thing is this guy was really into the actor not in a really creepy way just liking the work and stuff and so he dug deep into earlier stuff he did that no one knew about and a lot of memes were created and then the actor met that guy at an event and they were like oh my god i, I love you man like so weird to do that but dude it was so fun and you you dug into some stuff and now everyone's liking it it, it, it was a really wholesome moment really fun as long as it's not creepy yeah. yeah yeah it was like a meme about like him attending events like it wasn't about, about it was like a behind the scenes thing that came out on youtube five years ago and this guy looked at it like six months ago and they were the guy was making running joke all the time and then he just edited just that joke all the time and it got really popular for like three months People from government, you know, trying to be funny and appealing, used that meme as well to like try and be funny. It was kind of what weird. What can be worse than the government trying to be fun, funny? But then, yeah, they met, and it was it was really a fun moment. Also, because they filmed it and posted it on that Twitter account as well. And then this guy also talked about it in interviews. He was like, "This guy made a Twitter account for me because that's like one of the only fan accounts he has. Although he's pretty big." It was like it was so nice and so wholesome, and he was he, he talked about it like I think two or three times in interviews, saying like I love this guy. It was funny. Those are the wholesome experiences of fans and the movements. Yeah. Yes, and I've seen also all these reactions to the guy on Twitter, not necessarily through that out of context page, but also from the guy himself talking about it. Always through social media. That's where most of my experience through these things are. You know, I mentioned. I liked uh, looking at panels from uh, Comic-Con stuff about TV shows, but all of this I know through social media because I follow an actor or someone else that likes the actor and posts a lot. What else can we say about, let's say, movements or fandoms in social media? Well, these days they are all on social media, basically. Yeah, you, you know a lot of things through it, like Instagram or Twitter. I myself love Tumblr. Because um, I have, I'm following a few pages with manga, for example, and I get recommendations, and we can discuss this manga, for example, under the post. So there is a lot of online get-togethers. So that has contributed a lot to you know having access to these 
movies or mangas, TV series, and you always have an opportunity to find people who share these things with you. So that's that's nice. But again, there is also a lot of backlash. If you say that you don't like something or you say that Star Wars is not that big of a deal, you're going to be it in a life. There's going to be a huge, huge, huge thread of negative comments. <laughs> Especially because fans. people can look up key words just to get mad at stuff. Like you could, you could have 20 followers and just tweet it to your friend or respond to a friend talking about it. And there's a guy, two days later, he's going to look at Star Wars and just look at the recent tweets. He's going to see your tweets and then he's going to start dealing with you. Like right now, <laughs> yeah. I'm on your case, man. I'm not going to let you go with this opinion. Yes. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that it's that related, but the other day I was watching a video about Tolstoy. Tolstoy is a Russian writer. He is a, he is very popular all over the world. And that video depicted him in a negative way. And there was one guy who was answering to everyone, to everyone who <laughs> <laughs> who agreed with the opinion on the video. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, Tolstoy needs your he needs your support. Yeah. And you're on Twitter, Maria. What is your experience with fan related or media related content? Yeah, as you said, I'm on Twitter and people go crazy. It's insane. Back in the day when I was younger, Back I in used the to day. see. Yes, <laughs> I am very old. Yes, I am 23. So yeah, I used to see people. For me, the most interesting thing is when not when they attack people from outside, but when people from inside the fandom fight each other. I think that's the most interesting thing because it's like you're supposed to like the same thing, but they go off and they're like, "No, I like if it's a pop band. They're like I like this member more. They're better." And the other one is like, no, the other one is better. And they fight. And it's like, why do you fight? But then if they have to unite against a bigger evil, they do. So that's also interesting to me. So, yeah, I think that social media is literally could be used in two ways. One way to be like, okay, we can share knowledge. We can create a community. We can organize ourselves, like be developers, writers, designers, etc., but then it also contributes to the toxic aspect, which which I think it's not only relating related to social like related to fandoms, but related to social media in general, which is very toxic. So I think if people control themselves and are looking for a pacific and you know healthy community, they can find it. But as you said before, it's probably gonna gonna be a small one because you're not gonna find peace in the BTS realm. A thing I used to witness a lot, I think it was like four years ago, because it's not that popular now. People don't do No, it was really a trend for a while to make contests about TV shows. So a guy like a, usually a, a famous person, like a YouTuber or something for a video, he would be like, OK, we're going to make like the cup of like TV shows. And then he's going to be like making a thread with 50 tweets and it's uh, polls, you know, so it's going to be Breaking Bad versus uh, Futurama and things that have nothing, like, they're not similar at all. And it was just uh, his community voting for the ones they would prefer, and then people would fight over that because they would be like, how could you make this thing lose in the first round? Like, what? And it would last for days because the guy would have to wait until the end of the poll to make a second round, a third round, and then keep going, and people would get so mad. It was insane to witness because with Twitter suggestions, sometimes you don't even follow those people, and then... You, you see that because it's just, it pops into your thing because it's so popular. It was so toxic and cringe. I mean, if you're outside and you have nothing to do with it, it's fun. But when you are inside, it's not fun. Trust me. Yeah. It's an interesting thing also to witness. People find different ways as time goes on to engage in fandom activities. But I love to witness those things. I'm not really a part of it, but, but I, I think I would have loved to be a part of that kind of thing when I was a teenager or something, because it's always fun to be a part of a group and sometimes. And on this, I will ask the Mustar FM community to engage as much as they want, you know, with our content. And if you want to create fan fiction or ships, you you should do whatever you want because people should enjoy things if they want to. <laughs> okay, we, we, we need to make a contest, like the best fan fiction about Mustar has. Mm-hmm. There's going to be four people 
for people, that's a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Entering the contest. Uh, comment on our post for this podcast on our social media, and maybe you will have a chance to see your fanfiction talked about in the next podcast. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.